Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Caliber Mining Q2 and Year-to-Date 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Ryan King, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development and Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. And thanks for taking the time to join the call this morning. Before we get started, I'd like to direct everyone to the forward-looking statements on slide two. Our remarks and answers to your questions today may contain forward-looking information about the company's future performance, Although management believes that our forward-looking statements are based on fair and reasonable assumptions, actual results may turn out to be different from these forward-looking statements. For a complete discussion of the risks, uncertainties, and factors which may lead to actual operating and financial results being different from the estimates contained in our forward-looking statements, please refer to our 2020 annual MD&A and 2020 AIF available on our website as well as on CDAR. And finally, all figures are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise stated. Present today with me on the call are Darren Hall, Petri Salimpera, Dustin Van Dorsalaire, Paulo Santos, and Mark Peterson. We will be providing comments on our second quarter year-to-date results and our growth strategy, after which we'll be happy to take questions. The slide deck we'll be referencing is available on our website at calibermining.com under the events section. You can also click on the webcast to join the live presentation. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Darren. Thanks, Ron. Turning to slide three. Uh, Good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you for taking the time to join us on our Q2 earnings call. Before discussing our second quarter results, I'd like to thank all of our employees and business partners for their continued efforts which delivered another solid quarter. I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the supportive engagement of the Ministry of Energy and Mines and our host communities, as these effective and transparent relationships are critical to ensuring our continued success. During the quarter, we delivered 43,506 ounces at a total cash cost of $1,066 per ounce, and all in sustaining cost, of $1,216 per ounce, generating $11.9 million in net income and adding $8.1 million in cash after expiration and growth investment. Year-to-date, we have produced 88,958 ounces at an all sustaining cost of $1,154 per ounce. The higher all-in sustaining costs in H2, sorry, Q2 and H1 when compared to our full-year guidance is consistent with previous messaging of higher unit costs in H1. As you're all aware, the global mining industry is experiencing increased commodity prices, with the year-to-date crude oil price up 60%, year-to-date steel prices up 250%. 
Despite the tension in commodity prices, our first half all in sustaining cost came within 2.5% of budget as we realised the benefits of our continued focus on removing waste and improving efficiencies across the business. A good example of this was the team's ability to negotiate additional power cost savings in Q2, which will result in a total unit cost savings of 29% compared to 2020 unit rates. We remain confident in our ability to meet full-year guidance, given our demonstrated ability to improve efficiencies and remove costs, increased oil contributions from Pantheon South, which entered commercial production in July, higher-grade schedule from Limon Central, and increasing oil deliveries from Pavon, all of which will positively impact inner costs in the second half of the year. I am pleased with our ramp-up at Pavon, with all hauled to Libertad increasing 57% over Q1 to 550 tonnes per day. This trend has continued into the third quarter, with the team averaging 770 tonnes per day during July, positioning us well for our target 1,000 tonnes per day by the end of 2021. As part of our expanding hub and spoke model, we have made great progress advancing our high-grade Eastern Barossi project, which is located within trucking distance of the Libertad Mill. Our initial focus at Eastern Barossi has been increasing confidence at the Guapanel, Vancouver and Risco Stero deposits, which are analogous to Pavon but higher grade, and currently contain inferred resources of 515,000 ounces, averaging 8.1 grams gold and 69 grams silver. Since commencing work in February, excellent progress has been made advancing infill drilling, engineering studies, and importantly land acquisition, with over 95% of the surface rights required to develop the mines being purchased. The team's impressive progress positions us well to have a permeable product ready for submission by the end of 2021, potentially supporting construction decision in Q1 2023, over a year earlier than we contemplated at the start of the year when providing our initial 2021 guidance. With Eastern Barossi rapidly advancing towards becoming our next mining spoke, I'm excited to be increasing our full-year growth capital guidance $10 million to $45 to $50 million. Additionally, with 16 drills active across our operations and the success of our programs to date, we're also increasing our exploration guidance to $17 to $19 million, which reflects 22 kilometres of infill, geotechnical and hydrological drilling at Eastern Barossi, not included in our original guidance. Mark will provide a more fulsome update on exploration activities a little later in the call. Caliber's competitive advantage lies in its ability to translate near-mill and satellite exploration success efficiently into near-term, higher-margin mill feed. With 2.7 million tonnes of installed processing capacity at Limon and Libertad, which is currently less than 60% utilised, hundreds of kilometres of map veins, multiple new prospective concessions, $66 million in cash, no debt, and the ability to self-fund exploration and growth, we have an incredible opportunity to continue unlocking shareholder value through organic growth. Fundamental to the expansion of our hub and spoke model is continued community support. And during the second quarter, we appointed Patrice Alapera as the Vice President of Sustainability to lead our ESG efforts, reporting to me directly as part of the executive leadership team. Patria has held senior management positions with BHP, Rio Tinto, Gold Corp, and is most recently as country manager, Ecuador and Chile, for Newcrest Mining. 
He brings more than 20 years of environmental responsibility, social well-being, and robust governance experience in Latin America to Calabar. With that, I'll hand over to Katrina to provide an overview of our ESG efforts. Thanks, Darren. Turning to slide four, Calibre's strong commitment to sustainable and responsible mining has been demonstrated since the company entered Nicaragua in 2010. Since acquiring the operations, Calibre has continued to build on P2 Gold's foundational ESG legacy. Our environmental, social, and governance efforts continue to allow us to operate and grow in country, adding value not only for our shareholders, but also for our host communities, which have benefited from our presence over the last 10 years. Detailed evidence of our performance has been included in our inaugural 2020 sustainability report, which was released this, uh, in June. In addition to reporting last year's performance, the document provides fundamental information as we define our path forward and continue to convert ESG into an important business edge for caliber within the mining industry. There are several facts that we should be proud of. Our activities have added important economic value to Nicaragua, benefiting its people. As one would expect, our workforce relies heavily on national and local talent, which connects perfectly to our sustainability goals. Additionally, it is important to highlight the participation of women within our management team in Nicaragua. Whilst we have a way to go to reach a gender-balanced workplace, the incorporation of many talented professional women is helping us in these efforts. With respect to our economic contribution, 65% of our procurement is spent in country. In fact, close to $200 million in total was injected into Nicaragua's economy in 2020 through operating costs, wages and benefits, capital expenditures, community development, and other investments. And all of this was achieved with no significant environmental incident. On the contrary, Calibre has forged strong alliances with our civil society counterparts for water and forest conservation. This year and beyond, we will focus on improving even further our environmental performance and contributing to global efforts to confront climate change. We believe that robust engagement with all stakeholders and development of constructive partnership within our host communities will always be the best way to bring certainty into any sociopolitical context. An excellent example of this are our public consultation processes. In total, over 1,140 stakeholders have been consulted and meetings have been held for example, with 53 indigenous communities, 12 indigenous territorial governments, and 13 municipal councils. These actions, among others, have granted us the social license to continue our current operations, as well as to expand our future activities in the country. We are committed to continue to improve our corporate governance policies and procedures including our zero tolerance for any forms of bribery or corruption. 
In 2021, we continue strengthening Calibre's ESG approach. For example, in early July, we initiated a sustainability strategic planning process, which will serve as a guideline for us in 2022 and beyond. Through hard work, talented people, and Calibre's commitment to the World Gold Council's responsible gold mining principles, we will continue integrating ESG into our successful business model. In future calls, I look forward to updating you on our progress. With that, I'll hand over to Dustin to provide an overview of our operational performance. Thanks, Patrivi. Turning to slide five. As Darren mentioned, our production numbers remain stronger in the quarter. We processed 462,000 tons of ore at a grade of 3.1 grams per ton, with a consolidated recovery of 93.4%, producing 43,506 ounces. We continue well on track to meet our 2021 production guidance. We had continued strong trucking performance from Le Mans to Libertad, and we also benefited from a 57% increase over Q1 in ore deliveries from Pavon to Libertad. Overall grades were lower quarter on quarter as we moved through a lower grade area of the Le Mans Central Pit, which aligned with our year-end year 2020 reserve models, while pushing the phase two cutback and processing a larger than planned volume of spent ore and low-grade stockpiles at Libertad. Underground development was strong with solid advances in both Havali and Pantheon, as well as the start of development from our Nueva mine over to Atravesada. Underground grades increased quarter over quarter as we accessed our first slopes in Pantheon South. We expect these grades to increase further as we access the higher grade zones in the mine plan and progress development towards Pantheon North. Grades are expected to increase as we continue to optimize our highway trucking capability and increase the volume of Pavon ore hauled to Libertad. I'm pleased to report that we've averaged 770 tons per day of trucking in July with a daily record of 1,014 tonnes, putting us well in a good position to deliver our 1,000 tonne per day goal by the end of the year. Overall, I'm happy with our performance of our assets and continue to focus on driving operational efficiencies and productivity increases. I remain confident in our ability to deliver on our full year guidance. I'll now hand things over to Paolo to take you through our, our financial results. Thanks, Dustin. Turning to slide six, during Q2, Caliber sold 43,682 ounces of gold at an average price of $1,804 per ounce, thereby producing $79 million in revenue and net income of $12 million or four cents per share. The company generated $29 million in cash flow from operations and invested $24 million in growth, sustaining, and exploration capital. When considering $2.5 million was received from the exercise of options and warrants, our consolidated cash position increased by $8 million in Q2. We ended the quarter with over $66 million in cash, leaving us with a robust financial position and working capital of over $79 million. The company experienced higher per ounce costs in Q2 when compared to Q1 of the same year, with all-in sustaining costs totaling $1,216 per ounce. While the company has considered the impact of rising prices in commodities and supplies, Caliber has also identified avenues to achieve a higher level of productivity to offset these rising costs in H2. Specifically, we continue to see higher volumes of Pavone ore being trucked to the Libertad mill. We will benefit from greater contributions of higher grade ore from Pantheon, 
from higher grades at the Limon Central open pit, from lower electricity costs as a result of renegotiated power contracts, and increased productivity at the heavily underground mine. As a result, the company continues to maintain its original cost guidance from January 2021. Year to date, the company has spent $45 million in mine development, PPE, and exploration, with $28 million spent on growth initiatives and $10 million spent on exploration. The company continues to look to the future as we advance the EBP and Pantheon complexes and develop new mines at, Lim at Limon Norte and Atravesada. Caliber also continues to advance its aggressive exploration program, which Mark will discuss next. As a result of the new opportunities identified during the year, the company is increasing its guidance on both growth capital and exploration expenditures for 2021, as previously noted by Darren. With that, I would like to introduce Mark Peterson to provide an update on our exploration programs. Thanks very much, Paolo. Turning to slide seven, as announced earlier this year, we significantly expanded our 2021 drilling program at the Eastern Barossi project with the addition of a fast-track infill campaign on the high-grade Guapinol, Vancouver, and Riscos de Oro deposits. The infill campaign is now nearly complete with approximately 22,000 meters drilled. We are pleased to see results coming in in line with expectations as we advance these deposits toward becoming our next mining spoke. As we move forward in Q3, we're now shifting focus towards step-out drilling around the currently defined ore bodies and exploration follow-up drilling on several earlier stage targets that have been identified along the major, major gold trends in the EBP district. As an example, in 2019, drilling by caliber intercepted a zone of near-surface high-grade gold mineralization located approximately 500 meters southwest of the main Riscos de Oro deposit. Until now, no drilling has been done between this zone and the main ore body. But this week, we began drilling to fill in this gap. Turning to Limon on slide eight, our team continues to be very encouraged by the numerous growth and discovery opportunities we see in the district. Limon has been in production for more than 80 years, with over 3.6 million ounces produced and 1.4 million ounces in current resources and reserves. Previous operators, and now Caliber, have managed to continue to discover and develop new ore bodies through a sustained commitment to exploration. Success at the face of the drill bit is the key, and we can see in recent results returned from Travisada and Pantheon. We also recently began testing the down plunge extension of the high-grade ore chute below the planned open pit at Tigre Chaparral, which hosts an indicated resource of 102,000 ounces, averaging 5.7 grams per ton gold. In parallel with our near mine drilling program at Limon, over the past year, our GenX team has been active identifying respective new vein systems in less explored parts of the district. This week, we redirected two of our rigs to begin drill testing the best of these targets. Our team continues to be very bullish on the potential for future discoveries at Lamont. And finally, turning to slide nine, at Libertad, our 2021 drilling program has been focused on upgrading mineral resources at the Habali underground mine, 
adding to open pit resources at the Rosario deposit, and delineating a potential new open pit resource on the Tronca vein system. Recent highlights from Tronca include 16 grams per ton gold over 2.8 meters and 14 grams per ton gold over 4.4 meters. We've also had a great start with a first pass drilling campaign along the Vulcan vein trend, which has likewise returned positive initial results that include 11 grams per ton gold over 5 meters and 9.3 grams per ton gold over 1.7 meters, with both intercepts occurring less than 100 meters depth from surface. Follow-up drilling at Vulcan is already in progress. And earlier last month, we began first pass reconnaissance drilling to test three new vein systems our GenX team has identified at the Amalia concession, located 35 kilometers by road from the Libertad Mill. Over the past year, our field crews have delineated a 15-kilometer trend of epithermal gold mineralization at Amalia that's gone largely unrecognized and untested until now. It's still early days there, but as noted earlier, discovery success happens at the face of the drill bit. Our entire exploration team is committed to continue to unlock the growth and discovery potential and opportunities we see across our portfolio of mines and exploration properties in Nicaragua. With 16 drills actively exploring, we are well positioned to adapt to results as they come in and direct our resources to the best opportunities as they emerge. Over the coming weeks, we will be providing updates for the Eastern Barossi project and Lamone drilling programs as well as uh, providing updates on our Libertad and Pavone programs as more results become available. And with that, Darren, I'll turn it back to you. Thanks, Mark. Turning to slide 10. For the balance of the year, strong cash flow from operations will allow us to reinvest in the business to unlock value through the drill bit and continue advancing our highest grade deposits at Eastern Barossi. Hammond demonstrated the effectiveness of a hub-and-spoke operating strategy. We have a robust basis to grow production, and I look forward to building on what we've achieved over the last 18 months, and would like to thank all of our shareholders for their continued support. With that, we are happy to take questions at this time. Back to you, operator. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star then to number one on your telephone keypad. Again, to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Again, to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from Farouk Hamid Raymond James. Oh, hi there. Uh, good morning, everyone, and uh, thanks for the, the call today and for taking my question. Um, my question really was on Eastern Barossi, so I thought that was, um, you know, quite a encouraging update in terms of the progress to date and your ability to what seems to be to be able to fast track the project. Um, Darren, I was just wondering if you could give us a little bit of color around, you know, what the infrastructure requirements are going to be to, to bring Eastern Barossi uh, to production and into the Libertad mill. And I know it's early, but if you can give us a, a, you know, kind of some color around what you would expect the CapEx to be at Eastern Barossi to, to start developing and mining there. 
Yeah, hi, Farouk. Uh, yeah, no, good questions. If, if we think about uh, Eastern Barossi in terms of development sequence, it's a very similar, it's very analogous to what we did at Pavon. So in terms of timing, you know, we would anticipate permitting that within a year or so. In terms of the development that would be required for, for Eastern Barossi, it would be similar to what we saw at Pavon. Um, we've got very good access, um, basically interstate, if you will, running east-west across the country that runs within just a few kilometres of the deposit. So we'd have to establish a, a road across uh, basically moose path pasture, if you will, to Eastern Brosey, so fairly low infrastructure from that perspective. Um, if we're looking at other infrastructure, we've got a solar man camp, which we're actually starting on this year as, as, a, as we get you know, increased levels of activity in terms of the field work that's happening out there. Um, fuel bays, workshop, those sort of things. But in total capital, I mean, we're working through those pre-feasibility level engineering studies now. But going out on a limb, you know, I'd say there'd be you know, less than $10 million in terms of total capital to develop that property. And in terms of you know, time to ore from commencement, Guapanol, uh, Vancouver outcrops the surface. So uh, there's not a, a huge pre-strip. There's, there's not a lot of development. We look at risk cost there will be some underground development required to get to that property, but we would anticipate bringing Guapanol Vancouver on first and then, then progressing to risk cost the oil. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it's, I, I'm pretty surprised uh, that the CapEx, you know, less than $10 million, it's, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty great, like considering um, access to, I guess you're saying somewhere around 500,000 ounces of, you know, eight gram per ton or, or north of eight gram per ton material. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that CapEx is just primarily on just that, that little bit of, I guess, pre-strip, like you said, it's outcropping, so very little pre-strip, and then just just some of those, like, ancillary infrastructure, that that's basically it. Yes, yeah, for all intents and purposes, yes. I mean, you know, we need a band camp to be able to support it. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd go contract mining out there, but we would invest in the, the infrastructure associated with the you know, fuel bays and uh, workshops and those sort of things. But, again, you know, it's a relatively small fleet. Yeah, very similar to what we put in at, uh, at Pavon. And if you look at the burn rate there at Pavon, it's less than $10 million in terms of you know, total, total capital. So Eastern Borosi would be very similar, I think, in that order. I mean, again, as we go through the work in the next uh, quarter or so, we'll have more definitive numbers to be able to share. But uh, you know, I couldn't see them exceeding $10 million. I mean, Dustin, is there anything you would layer in that? You're a little more familiar with uh, the Pavon capital numbers. No, I mean, in terms of uh, infrastructure, you're, you're spot on the money, Darren. The only thing, obviously, once we start to develop the RISCO's uh, underground deposit, we'll have some additional capex for the, the decline access and the, the main ventilation raise uh, as, as we start out. But, again, similarly, uh, it'll share all the other same infrastructure with uh, Wapenal Vancouver. Yeah, correct. And so when we move over to RISCO's, you know, a year or two later after development of the open pits, um, there would be that injection of capital to, to develop the undergrounds, but um, you know, all the surface infrastructure would leverage off the the, the installed facilities for Rock and Old Vancouver. So. Right. Okay. No, that that's it, great. It, um, and then, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Darren. No, no. I mean that is the beauty of the uh, of the hub and spoke strategy here. Right. Is, is, you know, very creatively we can de-orphan some of these satellite deposits and bring them into production 
you know, with, in, with very, very low levels of capital. So, you know, return on invested capital is, is, uh, is phenomenal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, maybe just a question for, for Mark. Mark, can you give us, um, you know, some color around your expectations from the infill drill program? So the resource is currently sitting as an inferred resource. Uh, maybe some expectations as to how you see the resource and picture or reserve picture looking at year end for Eastern Barossi? Um Sure, for that's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, we've uh, uh, we had an internal uh, uh, kind of a, a scoping uh, study done, um, and we're we're targeting we're, we're trying to be conservative. Um, of a just a conversion factor from from inferred to uh, uh, to indicated and then pull that into a reserve, um, and I, I think uh, I think we're setting we've set our sights on something on the order of about forty percent of that half million. So so say uh, you know, two hundred thousand ounces is what we're uh, what we're aiming for to pull into reserves. Okay, that's that's great. Thanks for that. Um, that that's actually the question. All the questions I had. So, um, thanks for answering my questions, guys, and and good luck moving forward on Eastern Barossi. Thanks for. Again, to ask a question, press star one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Justin Stevens, PI Financial. Hey guys. Um, I mean, uh, good job on the on the quarter here. I think, and uh, the the disclosure makes it pretty. Uh, Pretty hard to find uh, anything that hasn't been uh, already answered by what you put out, um, but a couple little things. Uh, just refresh my memory on what would be needed to, uh, say, permit and bring into the mine plan uh, some of these satellite deposits that they've had, uh, you know, the trackers and the like. Uh, what's the sort of path forward or the timeline to, you know, uh, turn those from some some good drill result into actually potentially being in the mill? Yeah, hi, Justin. Um, if you think about permitting timelines, um, yeah, we've, we've had three significant permits in which we've uh, progressed since having ownership of the assets. Um, namely, it was permitting an input tailings facility at, at Libertad, so that's Crimea. We did that in seven months. Um, an EIS for an expansion at, uh, at Limon, and that was in seven, eight months. And Pavon. And we did that in, in less than nine. So if you look at, you know, so long as you have good community engagement and you have that good social relationships, which we've demonstrated at Eastern, say, Eastern Barossi, for example, in the fact that we've purchased uh, in excess of 1,700 acres of land over these deposits since the end of February, right, we believe that we could probably demonstrate or reproduce that same sort of permitting time frame at Eastern Barossi. So from a from a you know, Gantt chart perspective, I'd typically allow a year in that process. Um, and that would be similar at most deposits that we would look at bringing in. Um, you know, of course, there's no guarantees in the permitting space, um, but from a technical perspective, you know, we, we very early engage um, all the typical bugs and bunny, all the hydrological work, everything you need to do in terms of baseline work to be able to, be able to support the EIS process. So, no, I think we're in we'll be in pretty good shape at all these uh, near-mill opportunities that sit around uh, Libertad as well. Now, critical paths for any permitting process typically runs through land acquisition. That is the critical path anywhere in the world, but particularly in Nicaragua. 
Um, you know, the regulators have a very defined and rigorous process in which you need to go through, but they will only support you through that process if you can maintain your social license and if you've got your community stakeholders and host communities on board. And so that's why we spend so much time and effort in bringing those people on as well. So no, I, uh, generally speaking, we would typically allow a year in our schedules for that sort of work. Got it. Yeah, and that's why I think a, a, a surprisingly good thing to see, uh, you know, the bump in, in growth capital because, you know, it means you're sort of ahead of the game on the, the surface rights acquisition side of things, which is, like you say, the, the real key thing, especially in Nicaragua. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, a good, it's a good, you know, it's a, you know spenders in that space is a, good, is a good lead indicator for the rate of progress in which you can bring a property on. Exactly, uh, because, and yeah, there's a big injection uh, of capital in terms of purchasing land. So yeah, yeah, and so it's a it's very much a one-off uh, cost too, right? To, to secure future rights. Correct, and and when we we're talking earlier with Farouk in terms of that you know, that 10 million type number, I mean when we consider that at uh, at Pavon, that was including the surface rights that we we purchased in and around that development as well. So right. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 the uh, sort of a holistic number uh, uh, in terms of capital. Right. Um, yeah, the only other question I had, just because I know it varies so much, sort of country to country here, is um, just the, if you give us a bit more color on the impacts uh, of COVID in Nicaragua, um, and specifically sort of how it's affecting your uh, or potentially affecting your supply chain and your uh, you know employees. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, you know, <laughs> what we have found is, is that is the, the kind of rigorous protocols and procedures we've put in place have served us well, you know, over the last 18, 20 months through this whole pandemic. Um, you know, if we consider today, I think from memory, we have uh, 12 suspected or confirmed cases within our 3,500 employees and business partners. So it's a very low level of, of infection. So from a, from a human resource and capital perspective, um, you know, any, any impact to people is obviously uh, tragic, but we are seeing a relatively low level of impact and we're not seeing that um, the, the burden that's put across the human capital is actually impacting our ability to produce. You know, what we have seen is some issues more globally with respect to the supply chain. Yeah, shortages of uh, sea containers, for example, and, you know, all of those you know, unintended consequences of, of uh, the COVID pandemic around the world. So what we have done is we have built up the inventories of some of those you know, more longer lead time commodities or commodities that come from further afield. So you know, we've, built, we've built that inventory, we've, we've weathered the storm, we, can, you know, we anticipate continuing to do so. So no, um, you know, right now it's something that we deal with, it's part of our normal operating procedures, if you will. Um, you know, again, we talk about it, we spend a lot of time educating people, we're out there in the communities, we're trying to keep people you know, sharp and uh, keep it front of mind so they don't become complacent um, with respect to the impacts that it can have. Um, but you know, to you know, touch wood, this far we've uh, we've weathered the storm really well. Great, that's good to hear. Perfect, that's it for me. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, yeah, looking forward to to the, the continued news flow over the back half of the year here. Thanks. Justin. At this time, there are no further questions. I'll turn it back over to the company for closing remarks. Well, thanks everyone for, the, for your participation and questions this morning. And uh, as always, Ryan, I, and the leadership team are available as required. 
Um, so with that, you know, take care, stay safe, and I'll pass it back to the operator. Thank you. This does conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.